happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Final Chiefs preseason game this afternoon at Arrowhead Stadium against the Cleveland Browns. So let's get you caught up ahead of the Chiefs preseason finale. We'll start things off with the Out of Structure podcast. They played a game of check, raise, or fold on the Chiefs position groups as we Look forward to their cut-down day and initial 53-man roster ahead of the regular season. After that, it's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I joined Pete and John this week to give out some preseason awards. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with Show MBK, discussing the latest on Chris Jones and everything else you need to know. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, well moving on to check, raise, and fold on the Chiefs 53-man roster. Uh, keep in mind, of course, as as we always say, this is the initial 53-man roster, not the final. A lot's going to change in the next week, not just from roster cutdown day, but when they announce the initial 53, you'll see changes within 24 hours after that. And so, it, it's this is no, this is not locked in, in or set in stone or, or written in sharpie by any means. But let's go position by position, and let's say you know again based on. Pete's projection and what the Chiefs have done in the past. Uh, let's start with quarterback. And conventional wisdom says that they're going to keep three quarterbacks this year. Now, a lot of the talk has been about this rule change, which means that they could activate their third quarterback uh, if he's on the 53-man roster, even if he's not on the game day active list. But they generally wanted to keep three quarterbacks a lot of years in the past, it looks like. So, how many are you going to check, raise, or fold on three quarterbacks uh, on the Chiefs roster? Yeah, I'm raising that. No, I I do think it's it's three quarterbacks again. I mean, even before this rule got instituted, that you know that third quarterback doesn't have to count towards that active game day roster, but he can still play. Even before that, they kept Bouchelle last year because they were worried the Cardinals were going to take him. And Bouchelle has definitely improved. I mean, he's shown improvement, and so I do think maybe we're a year away from Bouchelle being that QB two potentially. Um, but I think for now, they'll just keep all three of them. Yeah, with all four quarterbacks in this last game being over 100 on the quarterback rating, yeah. uh, everybody, you know, or, or half of them throwing touchdowns. Uh, Bouchelle ran for one. I mean, this was a this was a showcase of these guys. Uh, I, I do think it's probably those three are locked in. You know, I'll, I'll raise on that as well. I think there's just – that just seems to be a given at this point. They kept three quarterbacks last year. Uh, with Michelle being one of those previous years, they only kept two with Michelle, I think on the practice squad for at least one of those seasons. Um, but I, I think there's, they, he's shown enough that you want to keep him around. And with the rule change, it only makes sense for, the, for, the, for them to have three on the roster. So right. let's move on to wide receivers. This will be a lot more fun. Our assumption now is that the Chiefs are going to keep six, probably seven wide receivers. So if, if seven is the number uh, that that we think they're going to be shooting for this year, are you going to are you going to check raise or fold on seven wide receivers? I'm raising, I'm raising it. Raise raise it. No, I, I think seven receivers is the play this year. Um, just be and and honestly, I think specifically because Tony is you know I, we talked about it. I think if he goes to IR, then you still you know if you if you only kept six plus him or including him, then you only have five active right away. I think they do want to have six because look at these preseason snap counts. You know, you had your three starters and Justin Watson's one of those starters, right? They all played their fair share of snaps. Justin Watson got 12 snaps with Mahomes this preseason. Uh, and, and the other two starters I'm mentioning is Skymore MVS. They got plenty of snaps with, with Mahomes. Rasheed Rice got 11 snaps with Patrick Mahomes on the field. Richie James got six snaps with Patrick Mahomes on the field. And then Justin Ross actually got only two snaps. They were both this past week. But both ended up with a target to him. Both times he was on the field, Mahomes targeted him. One was uh, kind of a – it was a weird play, uh, off timing, kind of threw it low. Ross still could have caught it. But then the other one was that nice whip route where he really created separation. That was a really good thing to see. Yeah, I think they want all six of those guys to be involved right away, and that means, you know, including them plus Tony. So that's seven. So I'm raising that for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. They, they've never kept six, seven wide receivers before, at least not since we've been keeping yeah. track for the last 10 years. Generally, it's been – so it was five the last two years, six the year before that, five the year before that. So since 2019, we're talking about five has been the, the pre- predominant number, not even six and, and never seven. 
But I, I do think if Kadarius Tony is going to IR, then they're going to keep seven, period. It's just going to happen. If Kadarius Tony is not going to IR, I think you could you could see a move there. But you're right. I, it's pretty hard to cut any of those guys and hope that you end up with them on the practice squad. You know, Justin Ross being, you know, the, the probably the still the last man in. I know a lot of people would want to cut Justin Watson before him. But, yeah, it's tough to find a cut there. I think – I think the fact that they've eliminated the fullback position, while it's not a one-to-one replacement, that gives them an extra roster spot, and and they'll go seven. So we're all in on seven receivers, and we're all in on who those seven guys are. I don't think there's any argument on on anybody else. Amir Smith – excuse me. Amir Smith-Marquette is is the only guy that is really, like, shown out, and he was fantastic this week, uh, is in somebody who, you know – has that opportunity to to be the the eighth wide receiver, um, but I'm not sure he's done enough to push any of those other guys off the roster. Dude, yeah, that, that's a good point with Marset Smith Marset. I think he's someone that uh, like someone like Nate Tice, who I trust very much with with football knowledge for the Athletic. Uh, great football breakdowns. He's loved Amir Smith Marset since he was a draft prospect for certain reasons, right? And and you can see kind of why he moves different at receiver. He's skinny, but he's st- you know he he was you know running through arm tackles, running through ankle tackles. Um, yeah, I think if he shows out in this last game, maybe there's a way they can dish him to a team because they really want to get him before anyone else does in the waivers or something. Um, because he was a third round pick or, or no, excuse me, maybe a little later, but he's in his third NFL year. Um, but he was a draft pick at one point, so it's it's interesting, but I, yeah, there's just no way he makes a team. I hope Ramijo, um, you know, and he will, he'll just be on the practice squad. That's that's one of those guys you're like, oh, I hope no one picks him up. Well, yeah, <laughs> he'll be there one of those guys in the league. Yeah, exactly. Both of those guys would be phenomenal practice squad receivers for this team if they can make that happen. Uh, Smith Marset and, and Remedio both have return ability, so that that gives yeah. them a little bit of, of value there that you could see um, them them at least making making it a difficult decision for this team. But let's stick with seven. We'll stick with the the ones that we had in mind um let's move on to tight ends because i think this could be a little bit interesting we've had jody fordson uh obviously locked into the roster now that he's on ir how many tight ends do you think they keep pete has them keeping two initially with blake bell as being that 54th man on the roster that comes right back this team likes their tight ends though they've done four full tight four, four tight ends 20 and 21 and three the other years. So it, do you think that they're likely to go down as low as two tight ends on the initial 53 with, with Blake Bell floating? For me, I'm going to check on this. I, I'm not sold on this idea. It seems to be conventional wisdom that, that Blake Bell will be cut and then re-signed whenever somebody goes on IR, probably Kadarius Toney. Uh, I'm not so sure that they, they want to let him go He's signed with other teams in the past. Obviously, he spent that year with Dallas. Uh, it's not a, a guarantee that you get him back, and I sure don't think they want to go into the season with with only two healthy tight ends. Right. Yeah. And here's where you know I can definitely eat some uh, you know eat some uh, crow a little bit, I guess, on uh, Matt Bushman, where you know I've I've been projecting him to make the roster for a lot of the preseason, trying to make him that breakthrough guy to replace Jody Fortson, but. I, I think I do agree with you. I'm checking here because I do get Pete's point, and I've been following that logic uh, myself a lot where Blake Bell is that that practice squad guy. But at the same time, you know, we haven't talked about the running back position yet, but that's where, you know, where this gets interesting, kind of combined with that position where they could kind of go between two or three um, based on kind of what we've seen there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the thing with Blake Bell is he played seven snaps with uh, in the preseason with Patrick Mahomes on the field. Noah Gray played eight. So, like, they both kind of played similar amounts with with Patrick Mahomes. Blake Bell did take the quarterback sneak handoff, which, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there, there's there's good logic to say that the team is just going to have him as a third tight end, especially now that they don't even have to worry about trying to find a spot for Jody on the team um, right now. I mean, then Bushman's just going to be that practice squad guy, no sweat. You know, he, he's around, you know, uh, if they need him. So, I think you're right there. So, that's why I'm checking. Um, but I, I, I do get Pete's logic because – to me, Blake Bell, he's 32 years old or 33 years, no, 32 years old. Um, and, and you're right, he has played with other teams in the past, but, you know, he's getting to that point, you know, I, 
you know, he's, he's, he has a home here in Kansas city. You know, he's, he's kind of a local guy, right? He went to high school in Wichita. Um, you know, he's, he, he definitely, I think he, he's chilling here. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. And that's maybe the selling point where he doesn't have to go through the, the waivers when you cut him and, and you can just make that handshake deal, which we've seen them do with an Elijah Lee in the past, another local guy. So sure. it, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah, it just when I started looking at that room, especially again with no fullback, you're depending on Noah Gray probably as your fullback. And we did see, I will say, we did see Blake Bell line up at fullback, uh, you know, a few times in the preseason too. So that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, you can't go into the season with two tight ends on the roster and one of them being also your fullback. I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty lean. So, you know, if they're confident that Blake Bell's back, if that's a done deal, then, then great. But otherwise, I could see them going with three and then uh, making that move elsewhere. Moving on to running back. Everybody's favorite position to argue about other than wide receiver. Uh, Running back, you know, Pete and conventional wisdom has us at four uh, with Pacheco, McKinnon, Clyde, and Daenerys Prince as being those, those four fairly well locked in. If you look over the history of who they've kept in the past, they've generally liked to have three or four running backs on the roster but they've also had a fullback. So that, that to me, um, leaves that room a little thin if you go down as low as three. So if four is the number, uh, check razor fold on four running backs. I'm checking here too because it's, it's, it goes along to me with tight end. You know, Daneric Prince has – this is where we need to talk about this, Stags. It is amazing kind of how we've seen this shift in, 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 in opinion, I guess, or just – from the team, we're not talking public reception. I actually don't think the public understands the shift that has happened with Daenerys Prince. I think we're still loving these highlight tapes we saw at the beginning of training camp, and and we heard about in OTAs. Um, the team clearly does not like him to an extent right now with the first team. He took no snaps with Patrick Mahomes in the preseason. Every first and second down snap went to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and every third down snap with Mahomes went to Jarek McKinnon. They didn't give Prince any any work with with the starting offense. And after that first preseason game, LaMichael Pirine started started working in front of him in drills, you know, and, and they kind of always have an order which in, in which guys go. And and Pete's there every day. And he and he made the note that before it was Prince as that second guy, right? Because Pacheco has the injury shirt on and McKinnon, you know, I think McKinnon just gets, you know, very little reps. And now it's Pirine right next at, right after Clyde, right? And you're seeing Pirine play hit over him in the preseason. I think it's possible that Daenerys Prince is just a, pre, a, a practice squad guy after all this hype. Like it's, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's funny cause I, I and I actually don't think it's really like a, a detriment to him or anything. I think we all just got excited. I'm, I'm calling myself out personally. I saw this, a running back go up and make catches, you know, back shoulder and, and, and kind of down the field and, and made some impressive catches. That's what impressed me. It wasn't anything about playing the position of running back, you know, running between the tackles. It was, it was never, it was never anything like that. It was always like, Oh wow. He made that over the shoulder catch, you know, really smooth. Yeah. I, it is kind of funny. Cause now, you know, you're thinking like, well, did we just, or did I just, you know, value the wrong things with, with the hype. And now we're kind of seeing maybe that he might just need a year or, you know, a year in the practice squad and maybe just a little time on the practice squad until later this year, depending on what happens. But I do think he's going to be just a practice squad stash. And I think, and I, and so I think, I'm checking that right now, but things can change because, uh, you know, P Ryan could still be that fourth running back. Right. But I'm not sure. Maybe then they just keep three running backs and then Blake Bell's that easy third tight end. It's interesting. Stags. What do you, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to raise on keeping four running backs with the asterisk that the fourth may be in question now. Right. So I, I think even last week, if you'd asked me, I, I, I probably was still that Prince was the, the, maybe even the third running back on the roster that there's that somebody else might be in more jeopardy of leaving the roster than, than Prince even um, at this point, given how the preseason's gone, I think it's pretty well locked in that your top three guys are Pacheco when healthy and McKinnon and, and Clyde uh, that fourth player, maybe it's P Ryan, maybe it's Prince um, you know, in theory it could be Ely or somebody else, but in, it's likely going to be one of those two guys but I do think they're going to keep four. And, and I think this is a position that takes a lot of wear and tear. They need a lot of bodies there. Uh, and, and I think, you know, who knows? May, maybe something will happen with Clyde. Maybe they will trade him. But I think at this point, especially given that we haven't seen Pacheco yet this preseason, I think you've got uh, 
you've got it pretty well locked in and they need all four of those guys to get through a season. So uh, they're probably not going to risk it messing around there. So whether, whether it's Prince or P Ryan, they're keeping four in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I, I I do probably want to say four too. You're right. I don't think they would go three either way. Um, And so it probably is closer to a raise to me. And the other part with P Ryan is they were putting him in on third downs, even with the second team. Uh, Like when Prince was kind of getting the lead work, and Pirine was the one coming in as that third down guy. So I think it tells you that they want to work him in as that pass down back too, um, you know, and that's some, something where Prince might have been projected as because of his size, he could maybe pass protect. And obviously he's been making plays as, as a receiver, but, you know, Pirine might, you know, might just be that guy that's that fourth back that they can trust to, to kind of do the dirty work at the bottom of the roster. And the other important note, I guess, too, with uh, Prince's downgrading of work is that Richie James was taking the first team kicker off return reps all of a sudden too so that kind of tells you something too. I mean, i'll throw out there it's it's very possible we're overreacting in both directions here because preseason's the time to try stuff out and to get guys reps and and see what you have there so it, it might just be all right we we know what we have in prince now let's let's give p ryan his chance and then we'll sit back and compare the tape and see who we, who we like better it could it could be more that than a one's out of favor, one's in favor sort of thing. It's it's just hard to tell. And I definitely think that they were working Prince in at that second receiving back. So McKinnon's direct backup uh, is being the roster spot that, that's available there. That's what I'm saying, though. Not in the preseason games. I thought so in the training camp work because he was working a lot with the pass work. But in the preseason, he was only getting first and second down work. And then it was third down. It was it was P. Ryan coming in for him. So it yeah. is interesting. I, I Again, it could just be that they were trying to develop that aspect of his game, even if he's not that guy yet. You know what I mean? Like it could be, let's give this guy some some uh, some run here in in camp and, and develop right. him. Whether he stays on the practice squad or on the roster is yet to be seen. All right, offensive line gets a little bit interesting. I think uh, Pete's got ten offensive linemen on his roster, three point uh, They've kept nine or ten pretty much for, for the Andy Reid era. There's been a couple of years they had eight, but I think that was an outlier. Uh, so let's assume they're going to keep nine or ten. Um, what do you think? Are you going to check, raise, or hold, uh, fold, I'm sorry, on ten offensive linemen? I'm going to check on it. I'm going to check on it. And and this is probably where I need to go back and say I am going to raise on four running backs because – this is where maybe you get the Blake Bell kind of shiftiness where, you know, you fit Blake Bell on the roster more easily if you can trade a guy like Lucas Niang. My thing right now is that I think the offensive tackles, I think Wanya Morris has not been as impressive as he needs to be in case the team needs him to play right now. Um, and so I think that does kind of create a, a situation where they do need to have plenty of tackles. And, and they have the 10 offensive linemen includes – excuse me, includes Niang, includes Prince Tego Onogo and Wanya Morris as, as backup offensive tackles right now. The thing is, I, I do think if Wanya can be the backup right tackle, I really like Prince Tego Onogo as that backup left tackle. I think Wanya has just looked uh, uncomfortable at left tackle, but I think he's looked fine as, as, a, as a backup at right tackle. So if you can just have those two, I think Niang hasn't looked bad this preseason. I think there's a chance an NFL team you know, we traded Yasir Durant for a sixth round pick or seventh round pick at one point. I mean, Niang hasn't done Jack Diddley in the NFL. So, I mean, you know, there's and neither did Yasir Durant. So, I mean, I think you can make a case there. And Yasir Durant was like an undrafted free agent, too. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a case. There's a chance they could find a trade partner for Niang uh, with all, you know, like a, a team like the Panthers. Their offensive line looks dreadful right now. Like maybe they could just use a veteran and, and they'll throw a pick at it. Um, but. You know, that's where I'm checking it because, you know, I do think they don't they don't want to just get rid of him for no reason either. Um, you know, and that's where I think 10 could be very possible. They really it does feel like they have tremendous depth on the offensive line. Last week, we when we did this conversation or two weeks ago, we talked about is this the best offensive line they've had in the Patrick Mahomes era? Uh, we weren't sure at that time. I'm still not sure, but I'm pretty excited about what I've seen from them so far. Um, but you wonder how how many of these spots can they hold open for developmental players? Darian Kennard being one of those, Prince Tega being yeah. another one. Uh, you know, obviously your your starters are locked in. 
with with zero question marks, and and you're happy with your starters with Smith, Tooney, Humphrey, Smith, and uh, and Taylor, with Allegretti being the first man off the bench for any of the interior spots. Like you said, maybe they keep a swing tackle, maybe they keep a backup left and right tackle. I think in the past they've generally kept three tackles and four guards on average. Um, this year, maybe they flip that and go with with four tackles. Uh, you know, keeping a not a swing guy, but one guy at each position, which allows you to to really keep one because obviously they're they're not going to let him go after just drafting him at this point. And Prince Tega Winogo. Uh, so that really leaves Niang and Darren Kennard as your last two uh, on the roster. You know, I, I think there's an argument for for keeping both. There's an argument for for getting rid of either one of them, um, or, or maybe trying to get Kennard on the practice squad, something like that, because uh, nobody's seen anything from Darren Kennard yet in the NFL either. Uh, so I'm going to say I, I'm going to fold on ten and say they're going to keep nine. And okay. and it's just a matter of which of those two guys, whether it's Kennard or Niang, that is off the roster. I think that's what's going to happen. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Thankfully, training camp has come and gone, which means it's award time. I think this is the first annual ever training camp and preseason awards on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I'm now joined of course by john dixon who i announced earlier but also our arrowhead pride podcast producer steve serta serta you are a big time movie guy so you know all about uh, award season i do i'm not a huge fan of award shows but uh, i guess i do track oscars and things like I'm, that big time i'm just remembering this john don't you and your lovely bride watch every oscar nomination or try yeah we to do it? yeah it's a it's a thing and we have a party where people make, you know, Oscar themed uh, treats and stuff. And it, it, sometimes it's more uh, it's more carefully arranged than it is at other times. But, yes, every year we try and watch a group of people gets together to watch it. And Terry and I have been to those marathon things that they have at the movie theaters where you go and see a bunch of the Oscar movies all in one one sitting. We've done that, too. So, yeah, I we, didn't know we're that was there. a thing. Is that a pay oh, one yeah. price? Pay one oh, price yeah. to see three movies? Yeah, and you and you can come and go from wow. the theater at your leisure. You get to reserve your seat. Yeah. You can bring in, uh, you oh, know, an I, ottoman if you want to, and I would love to do and, that. If, oh yeah, it's really cool. I'd love to do that if Chris Jones would sign, but I just I can't take the chance of being <laughs> off my phone for uh, now. Once he signs, take some time, go <laughs> see some more. Once he signs, go see some movies. Anything but Barbie. All right, let's get to the awards. <laughs> we have most disappointing player, best newcomer. Most pleasant surprise, comeback player of the camp, offensive player of the camp, and then defensive player of the camp. Here are the rules. Uh, we're each going to just name our own winner, and we'll alternate who names what first. And the caveat is if someone says your name, you have to pivot and use a different name. So we're coming up with, with some different ideas here. So let's start with most disappointing player. And let's go to the most negative person that's ever on the podcast, and that's Steve Serta, who is the biggest <laughs> disappointment of training camp. I'm I'm tempted to say Chris Jones, but I'm not <laughs> going to say Chris Jones because he hasn't even been there. So I, I want to include players that have actually had to go through training camp. And I guess this is a bad option, too, but this is who I'm actually picking, and it's Kadarius Tony. Um, got hurt on the very first training camp pr practice, yeah. and... It, and we haven't seen him since and he's still not ready. And I think that optimism, if there was any, that he would be ready for week one should probably not be there anymore. Um, I'm not confident that he's going to play for the chiefs in week one. And I'm not confident that he can stay healthy for an entire season. And that was something we were hoping to see from him this season. And the first time he set foot on a football field, he got hurt and we haven't seen him again. It's just yeah, really bad. Really bad, almost like a parody of himself in the first five minutes of training <laughs> camp. He lives up to the problem with with how he can't stay on the field. So talented, but can't stay on the field. And there, there you saw it again. Um, all right, John, uh, no Tony for you. Who was your most disappointing player? Well, uh, I had Tony on my list, so I have to cross him off. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go ahead and use the player that I crossed off and replaced with Tony. And that would be 
Chris Jones. Yes. I, th- really I think like I've that. already I think I've already made it pretty clear how unhappy I am with the way Chris Jones is handling this situation. I'm very disappointed in him as a person. Uh, and I, I know, you know, I, I respect that you want to provide for your family, and get the best deal. I get that, sir. I totally right. do. But be mature in the public eye. That's all I ask. I don't think that's very Western too much. state has a fantastic soft serve machine too, that he didn't even get a crack at uh, this year. <laughs> Not that. Oh, he, that's he a big deal. That. Yeah. Uh, that's a big, deal. I had, so I, I think Chris Jones and Kadarius Tony, the obvious ones. I don't, I don't blame you guys. I had KT and Chris Jones written down here too. I also had uh, Jalen Watson and Daenerys Prince. And we talked about Prince on the other side and we actually talked about Watson, but I think Watson had a stronghold on being one of the top three cornerbacks. And, uh, and I think he lost, I think he lost that. And so to me going from that 99 yard return, where like, now you're the guy, I know you're a seventh rounder, but you're beating out of a fourth rounder week in and week out. And you made the play of the game in a division game prime time. And now you're just like fighting the rookie safety to keep him off the field. It just seems like a little bit of a mini fall from grace. So I'm going to say Jalen Watson is my most disappointing player. All right, John, we'll start with you for best newcomer i like uh i like all of the veterans they brought in uh and so i'll just pick one of them at random eeny meeny miny drew tranquil um i think has been a very a very good player and i like him and i uh, i think he's it was a great selection by brett veach in the offseason plays all three positions I, i caught him the other day uh during uh, our look, it was, it was indoors. It was about 175 degrees. He was working directly with Steve Spagnolo on some handwork stuff. So the thing I like about him is is he's he, he was signed into this contract year, and he's really worked hard to learn all three positions quickly. I have mentioned several times about how impressed I am that he was making the calls in his first year when everyone was always so confused by, by Steve Spagnolo and his defense. So I, I agree with you. I think that's a good one. Steve, let's go to you for best newcomer. I thought about, I'm going to pick a rookie. I was going to pick a a veteran player too, like John, but I'm going to pick a rookie now since John picked a veteran. Uh, I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, obviously he's just got the one preseason game where he was heavily involved and the Chiefs were going out of their way to get him the ball. And, you know, he spent a lot of time with Shane Bouchelle, but I, I think we saw a glimpse of what he can contribute to the Chiefs this season. And when they drafted him in the second round at the NFL draft, I was a little bit skeptical uh, about Rasheed Rice and him having an impact immediately because Mm, we just kind of saw this whole thing play out last year with Sky Moore. And I was like, I'm not falling for that again. (laughs) But but, you know, with what we've seen so far in the season in the preseason where, you know, Justin Ross is clearly coming on the field after Rasheed Rice, like Rasheed Rice is clearly ahead of Justin Ross right now in the pecking order. And even though he's still probably going to be a project wide receiver who's got a lot of things to work on and get better at as a rookie, I think the Chiefs know exactly how they want to use him when he is on the field. And that's something that's important because he, he's got that yak ability and he, he's he got the, the physical tool set to find a way to get on the field in a way that Sky Moore couldn't last year. So I'm actually really excited about Rasheed Rice after the preseason. You know what coaches say, the most important ability is yak ability. That's Sorry. right. I had to yes. get that in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I had all three of these guys actually on my list. Drew Tranquil, Rashi Rice, and then my actual number one was Richie James. I think Richie James was a pleasant surprise. Um, I just think, uh, no, he was the best newcomer. I know that we have a pleasant surprise award, so I'm, 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 he was our <laughs> best newcomer, not, not a pleasant surprise. Um, but he was the, the best newcomer in the, in the sense that He's shoring up the punt return position. He's now apparently, based upon what we've seen, we haven't had Dave Tope since the last game, but he looks like he's going to be the kick returner as well, which means the Chiefs really like when he has his ball in the hands. I think he offers Patrick Mahomes a really interesting player, and I know that Andy Reid is going to use him in a lot of unique ways, maybe similar to some of the looks we saw from a McCole Hardman in previous years. I think that he has a lot of shiftiness when he gets into the open field. I think Richie James is, is this player that, really went under the radar and shouldn't have. He had 600 yards mm-hmm. in the NFL last yeah. year, and he probably deserved more attention, and I think now he's finally starting to get it with the training camp and preseason he had. Now to most pleasant surprise, and I'll say Turk Wharton. I thought Turk Wharton would start the year on PUP, missing the first six weeks. I thought it was impossible for him to 
uh, be on the roster week one PUP. And if he had stayed on, it would have cost him the first, uh, I believe, four to six weeks. John, what is it? Uh, six weeks of the season for PUP or That's, four? No, now? it's four. It's four. Oh, just four like weeks of the IR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then one day at training camp, I went up there and he ran out onto the field and was good to go. Uh, did have a little bit of a setback, but good to see him back in the mix. Sounds like he has a good chance of playing on Saturday against the Browns. So I'm eager to see what he can do. But I just didn't think they'd have him for the beginning of the year. So that's my pleasant surprise. Turk Wharton. Steve, we'll go back to you. My pleasant surprise is cornerback Echo Boydo. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I actually kind of like cracked a joke on UP at one point when, you know, we're doing our tra- daily training camp updates and you're really hyping up this undrafted cornerback and, oh, yeah. and the role that he's finding himself in, especially after Nazi Johnson got hurt and is going to miss the entire season. And I think it's just a really fun story. Like that's, that's what you want. That's the kind of players and the stories that you want out of training camp. Like this local kid who undrafted player comes in and seems to have played himself into a situation where he might make this roster at the very least. I think the chiefs, he's going to be a serious practice squad candidate. And for an undrafted player, that's a really big deal. And that's something we're celebrating for a local player. So I'm just Pete hyped me up and made me, by end of the story, and now I'm just excited for him individually as a person. I like Echo. I I was impressed by him. I'm I'm having trouble fitting him onto the 53 just because of of right. John and mm-hmm. we talked about what Dave Tope said about um some of just the problems with his weight as far as being able to play um special teams. You know, Dave Tope said he's a little light, and so if he's not going to be at the top of that cornerback room, tough to. Say. But I think. I think he is going to be on the practice squad. And I think if there were to be an injury during the year, you could see him. I mean, the chiefs are not afraid to put young defensive backs on the field. Shout out to echoes brother who said, hi, he is a listener of the Arrowhead pride podcast oh. uh, network. So he's going to be especially wow. happy, Steve, uh, that you uh, picked him for the pleasant surprise. John, who is your pleasant surprise? Well, I've got three here that neither of you have mentioned, and so I'm having a difficult time deciding. It's been <laughs> nice that, I, that others get knocked off the list and it focuses me on on something. So uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Donovan Smith. Nice. Um, there was a lot of concern, a lot of, uh, you know, gnashing of teeth, haterade. About whether haterade, yeah, John. yeah, yeah. <laughs> about yeah. Donovan Smith, because he didn't have, he did not have a good season last year and it was reasonable. I think it was perfectly reasonable for people to be concerned that he would have the same problems this year, but it was also perfectly reasonable to expect that he could get past those problems because of injuries last year. So far, always the caveat so far. He's looked pretty good, and that's all they need is pretty good because that's all they had was pretty good. And since they've made a move forward with Joan Taylor on the right side, that means an improvement on the offensive line, and that's what we were all looking for. Yeah, Pat Pat Mahomes has said uh, these past few weeks that he's wanted to take a hit in the preseason, and he hasn't been able to, not to say that he hasn't got out of trouble, but for the most part, the offensive line has been pretty good. And I think Donovan Smith and, and Jawan Taylor are a pretty big part of that. If this is the best pass protection that Patrick Mahomes has ever had, and he's already won two MVPs, what does that mean for mm-hmm. 2023? Yeah. And I, I think that's a, an early uh, good sign. John, uh, before we move on, who were your two honorable mentions here in Pleasant Surprise? Oh, Chamari uh, Connor. Uh, nice. I didn't really expect a whole lot of, out of him, a fourth-round pick. But uh, I was very impressed with what, uh, Spagnolo had to say about him uh, yesterday. There's an article about that on um, arrowheadpride.com that's worth your worth your while, I think. And then Danny Shelton, who dies mm-hmm. uh, of whom I spoke earlier, and um, he's been a very pleasant surprise as well for all the reasons I mentioned before. By the, by the way, Danny Shelton looks great. I'm I'm excited if he can find a way to make this roster. He's lost a lot more than 12 pounds this offseason. <laughs> okay, he looks great. What, he what looks he like he's a great shape. Carb rotating or carb? Yeah, yeah carb cycling. I think cycling, carb right. cycling. Carb right, cycling. right. I've been just yeah. doing plain old cycling. I got to start cycling my carbs. I All know right, that let's... I I lose weight when I rotate my tires because you know there's <laughs> yeah. it's more work than I typically do sitting at my my desk all day. <laughs> I have lost weight uh, just standing at practice the last three days in the hundred degree weather. <laughs> All right, comeback player of the camp award. Steve, we'll go back to you. Comeback player of the camp. 
Uh, I, I feel like this has got to be everyone's number one choice, and it's Justin Ross. Um, oh, yeah. Just for, and he's another incredible story at a Chiefs training camp. Like, I think it's safe to say we all believe he is truly a lock for this roster now. Um, just what he's shown in the preseason and, and what he's shown up in St. Joe. Like, he looks like he can be an impact player if he can stay healthy and if given the opportunity in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And, you know, I still think Rasheed Rice is clearly ahead of him. Richie James might be ahead of him right now. We'll see on that. But I think Justin Ross is going to take the field for the Chiefs at some point this season and have an opportunity to make an impact. And for a player who's gone through the significant amount of injuries and gone through everything to get to this point, it's really, really impressive that he's been able to do this. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm always forward in saying I was a non-believer that he would be able to have the durability to last through training camp and last through the preseason. One more game to go, but yeah, he'll he'll be on the roster should should he make it through, and I I tend to think he will, and he's looked impressive. I mean, he has had certain plays uh, at camp that you know you could tell only a guy his size and athleticism can make. He, I think he had one in one of the preseason games that that move that nasty move down the right sideline. I I thought was really mm-hmm. impressive, and so yeah, I like Justin Ross for the comeback player of the camp. John, we'll go to you. Um, yeah, you know it's so easy just to pick a player who is injured. Um, but I went a little bit different direction yeah, here. I'm going to yeah, go with give, give Steven a little elbow with his pen. <laughs> it was well, the obvious. I mean, one. there's other, there's other, I mean, I have Ross on my list as well. Could you That's imagine if one of us didn't pick Justin Ross? Well, right. Uh, I know. Yeah. I guess <laughs> sisters would say. Forget about the five stars. One star yeah. is galore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had Ross on my list as well, but I think that I'm going to go with the middle guy on my list who is Sky Moore. Now, a lot of question marks about Sky Moore, about whether he can really uh, turn the corner and be an effective player in his second uh, season, which is what you expect from a second round player in the NFL. But I especially like how he has come back from uh, the adversity of what he had to go through last season on special teams as a punt returner. That cannot have been easy for him to do. And I, I'm impressed with the way he's handled handled himself since then. Uh, and even last season, I was impressed. And I, I think that that's a, a big plus uh, about his character. And character matters in the NFL. And so I, I, that's why I had him on my list as a comeback player. I like that one. I'm going to stay in the wide receiver room and say Amir Smith-Marset. I, I feel mm, like yeah. this was a guy whose career was over. And now we're talking about the eighth receiver. There's people on Twitter that on X that are, this is the X show, Steve, that are, <laughs> are saying like, how do the chiefs keep eight receivers? And believe me, I've actually tried to figure it out myself. I there's, they can't. Uh, so I just think Amir Smith, Marset has done enough between what has happened in the preseason. And really, I think the preseason games to at least merit some kind of spot somewhere. He has this incredible return ability. And I, I, I see him at practice and he's the second returner, you know, behind a Richie James when it comes to punt returns. And so I, I think the chiefs would like to retain him on the practice squad and, and something in the case, something happened to James or, you know, one of those special COVID special teams call-ups, you could actually have him uh, in the mix. But I, I just think his career, it felt like it was over uh, or getting close to it. And I, I think maybe that we've seen a resurgence very quietly from Amir Smith Marset. All right, John, we'll go back to you for the offensive player of the camp. And a disclaimer here, we're taking away the MVP, Patrick Mahomes. It's got to be somebody else. Somebody besides Mahomes. Okay. Well, um, I have three names here. I don't have any of them crossed off because I went first here. And just so I can make this point, I'm going to go with Rushy Rice because I was very impressed with him um, and the preseason game on Saturday. He got a variety of different looks. He caught a variety of different kinds of passes, did great with all three quarterbacks. What else can you want from uh, a rookie player than to have a hundred yards and a pre on eight catches in a preseason game? I mean, I just thought he looked fantastic and uh, that's been the case during camp practices as well. So uh, that's, that's a pretty easy choice, I think. Rasheed Rice is really going to make a case for bucking that trend of the first receiver or first year receiver in Andy Reid's offense. They're, they're going to be pressured to get him involved just because he's looked so good, I, I think, in this preseason. So kudos to him for doing that. John's offensive player of the camp, Rasheed Rice. All right, Steve, let's go to you. 
I'm going to go with a wide receiver too. And I'm going to go with sky Moore um, wow. because I think that that was the biggest question coming into this season. And I never wavered on my belief that sky Moore can be a good player and be a contributing member of this chief's pass catching group. Uh, but I know a lot of people did because he just didn't get on the field as a rookie mm-hmm. and didn't have yeah. the opportunity to do that. But everything before training camp was like sky is locked in and he's working out with Mahomes, and he he's, he's out here trying to outwork every wide receiver on the team. And I think we saw that carry over into training camp where he has legitimately established himself as uh, number one, top of the rotation wide receiver on this roster with the starting group. And he's going to have a big role. And I thought Rocky uh, made a really good point on the Arrowhead pride rapid reaction show this past week when the chiefs needed something to happen on third down, they put sky Moore in the game and went right to him. And then that for that third down conversion is what carried over into the long uh, chiefs touchdown drive that Patrick Mahomes capitalized on. Like, I think that Sky Moore has really, really improved in year number two, and I'm excited to actually see it unfold in the regular season. Sky Moore's right. Sky Moore was my first pick. Steve sniped it there. I, I just think the NFL isn't ready for what they're about to see. And it 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 is impressive that at the beginning of camp that that Chiefs fans and and I think rightfully so were a little panicked that all of a sudden they didn't have Kadarius Tony. But through his play every day at camp, and as you said, Steve, in the preseason, it just looks like he is going to be the guy. And I wonder if he's going to be the guy even when Kadarius is healthy and, and ready to go. I, mm-hmm. I just really have liked what uh, Sky Moore has done. Mine, I cheated a little bit, but I just said the offensive line, the starting offensive line as a whole, uh. which we touched upon, especially the interior. Watching these OLDL drills every day, and you know, I guess you could say – some of this has to do with the defensive lineman. I don't think it does. I just think that the interior of the offensive line is just one of the best in the league. And I think that actually helps the two tackles as well. It made Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown look really good. We'll see. I like Andrew Wiley. We'll see. And, and I actually do like Orlando Brown, but we'll see what they look like this year when I, I feel like they're going to have lesser interiors. And I just think this offensive line is going to be the best that Mahomes has ever had uh, and ever played with. And, you know, maybe we see 7,000 yards, Steve. Maybe maybe he should be drafted in the first round of fantasy drafts again. Um, all right, let's go to the defensive player of the camp. Um, I'll go first. I don't think I've gone first in a while. Camp is a is a fickle thing, uh, and and this is kind of like an honorary defensive player of the camp award, and it's to Nazi Johnson. Nazi Johnson was pushing mm. to start, uh, and I he would have been the the MVP, I think he, I think he had a damn good chance to win that starting job, and we've talked about it a couple times in this show. I don't think Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson have really grabbed it this year. They were replaced by by Nazi Johnson. The only reason that they are getting playing time now is because Johnson ended up tearing his ACL. So you hope the recovery is good. You hope you see him next year. But to the point where he got injured, I think it was like two weeks into camp, he was playing the best, and I think everyone would have said he's the defensive player of camp. So I'm not going to rule him out for this award. I'm going to give him the honorary uh, defensive player of the camp, and we'll just have to see next year. All right, John. Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Trent McDuffie, um, who I think had a really solid camp, uh, frequently saw his name making good plays, which is exactly what you want to see in a first-round pick. He did it last year. He continues to do it in camp this year. Uh, He's a leader on the field. He's a versatile guy. What else do you want? Um, I think he's he's really showing that he was the right pick for the Chiefs in the first round last year. I like the McDuffie pick. McDuffie looks just looks like a slam dunk first rounder. Like sometimes, like we have these conversations about, well, I don't know, Karloftis definitely not Clyde, but like it's so clear that they nailed that trade up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and he looks like a guy like you know, should he stay healthy? I know he had the injury last year that you're going to really want to think about paying because I think he could be that lockdown guy, undersized but doesn't play like it. He just He's so good, and he always sticks with every receiver. I, I'm really impressed with McDuffie. Excited for what, what his year is going to be like in 2023. All right, Steve, lock it down. We're, we're at the hour mark here. What is, what is your defensive player of the camp? I'm taking a rookie, and I feel like that's a surprise for this particular award, but I'm taking Chiefs first-round pick Felix and DK Uzama. Um, King Felix. I just don't think uh, enough was made uh, about the thumb surgery that he had after the draft that kind of mm, held him yeah. out of rookie mini camp and OTAs and kind of 
led into his slow start of training camp because they were really working him slow, make, making sure he's healthy, making sure he's ready to go at this level, at this speed and whatever. And so far, the returns on him have looked like he is one of the more versatile pass rushers the Chiefs have on this roster right now. Like He's looked really good in both preseason performances. Spags has been really complimentary of him after training camp and practice and the way that he's improved. And you know, just thinking back to the NFL draft where – I, I really, truly believe that the Chiefs wanted to draft Nolan Smith there. And when the Eagles sniped Nolan Smith, it was then, OK, next guy on the board is Felix. And to kind of fall into that for a player who looks like he's got a chance to have a big impact is is really cool. And yeah, and he played at K-State and with Charles Amenhu being suspended, Chris Jones up in the air like Felix is going to wind up having a much bigger role early on in the season than I think any of us could have initially imagined. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the, the pressure and the pass rush has come inside for the Chiefs in recent years because Chris Jones has been so good. As you're seeing them pivot, like Andy Reid was asked today, who's, who has stood down the defensive line? He didn't name any tackles. He named George and he named Felix. Or, or was it Mahomes? Was it Mahomes? Yeah, Mahomes did. Uh, Andy named George and Dana. But in them both saying it, I just find that they're preparing like to maybe have these two big houses in the center and like really relying on the outside pass <laughs> rush to get to the quarterback. Like what if you put Turk Wharton next to Derek Nottie? What if you put, if a Danny Shelton were to make it next to Derek Nottie and you have these guys really working on the outside and making sure nothing gets through that middle. I, I think they may change the pass rush philosophically if they have to play without Chris Jones and you're going to have to do that. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a bold pick, Steve. I don't know if he was the the defensive player of the camp, but I I like the I like the spunk there. He was uh, second place in snaps yeah. uh, in Saturday night's game. He was the second leading snap getter in, on the defense, and uh, and I you know kept seeing him in the backfield. Seems like uh, a player they're ramping up for a big role on defense. Yeah. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Have you two fools reached any kind of level of concern yet by Mr. Eight Weeks? Is that what he said? Week eight? Week eight? Or you have any level of concern yet that Chris <laughs> Jones may not be there September 7th against the Lions? Do I think yes. he's going to play? I am officially concerned about that. Do I think he will be in Kansas City at Arrowhead for that game? Yes. I continue to refuse to believe that this man is going to throw away $1.15 million. I did the calculation. That's what it's going to be. $1.15 million for every single week that he misses. Do How we much is really he throwing away right now? How much is he Less away than a mil. Less than a mil. I so he, he was up to three million more. Th- three mil. It's like fifty k a day, right? Yes. What is he? He, up he to? ain't up to three mil. Um, and the last time he was close to, he was like at eight hundred thousand or something. But I think that, that was, was two. I was going to say that was two weeks ago. I think yeah, that so let's was. Call, let's call it a mil. He's at a million dollars for the, the end a of month. camp. So there was only like a few days left of practice. So. Let, let's let's call it a clean million dollars that he's he's been fine. What, whatever we even if it's one point two, right? He has missed for the entire camp, the entire preseason. What he would miss for one game, and we think he's going to do that eight more times. No, I 
Chris Jones would have to have the most incompetent agents in the history of the NFL if they think that that is a smart business move for their client. Because it's just not. Nothing about what Chris Jones is doing now makes any sense. If he wanted to miss camp, he didn't want to go to St. Joe. Guys, this week it was 100 degrees in Kansas City every single day. If he just didn't want to show up because, man, it's hot up there. And I don't want to practice right now when it's hot as hell. I'd rather pay the whatever it is, $200,000 for this week of not practicing. Cool. No harm, no foul. If he doesn't show up by next week, Ron, he is officially entering territory of not being ready by the season, missing games, and then getting himself into a position where he misses each week what he's missed so far during camp. So, yeah, no, I have no question whatsoever still if he's going to be missing games because I don't think he or his agents are dumb. I'm giving okay. them more credit or giving them the credit that I think that they deserve. Well, I could tell you, I could tell you it wasn't about the heat. All right. I could, I could tell you that that little caveat that you tried to spring in there about the heat, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't about the damn heat. I, I mean, right. would you want to practice? Would you want to practice right now? Way that, that's hotter fine. this week that's fine. than you it know was it. any I, of the weeks in St. Okay. okay. He's from Philadelphia, Mississippi. All right. It's not about the day. Yeah, this heat. was different. This was different. Uh, okay. Listen, I'm sure he's felt the different. All right. It, it, I'm just telling you, it wasn't about the, the heat. If it was 75 and, and fine, he still wouldn't have been there. Okay. That, that, that's all I'm saying. And you know it. So you know, everything else you said made sense, BK. You had to slide in the heat. Now you're just trying to tell yourself, <laughs> no, I ain't going to do it. No, it had nothing to do with the damn heat. Felt like it was a good added nugget there. I'm pretty much at the point where I am not confident he is going to be there week one anymore. Um, I'm not confident that they're going to get a long-term deal done anymore, really. And it's because it's everything that Chris Jones has been doing. It's how, like when you watch the Chiefs press conferences this week and every time somebody gets asked about Chris Jones, like the body language and the way they're kind of dancing around everything – just none of it seems like it is trending in a positive direction and everyone is giving off that vibe. Like it is just negative and like they are not confident that he is going to be there. Now, I still think that he's going to show up sooner or later, like the week eight thing that he put out. I think that's just him just poking people and kind of messing with people. But I I think it was Nick Jacobs who pointed out on Twitter, uh, his agents represent a lot of low tier NFL players. Like he is the white whale of their agent clientele. And I do think that they're giving him bad advice right now, because I think a lot of it is coming down to, they're probably saying, we'll get, we'll get you where you want to be. We'll get you your money. All this money that you're losing right now, we'll get all that back for you. And, you know, at some point that there, it seems like a line has been drawn in the sand and the chiefs are saying, this is what we got for you. If you want to sign this, we'll we'll make this deal happen right now. If not, then we're gonna we're gonna play you this year under the current contract that you're on. And it doesn't seem like this all this optimism after the Super Bowl that uh, we're working towards a deal. It's our top priority off season. Okay, not moving fast, not moving fast. See something positive happen soon. All of that's out the window now. <laughs> we're 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 two weeks away from the start of the NFL season, and I'm not confident he's going to be there week one at all. Well, and, and this is my my thing is it, it's now moving towards a bigger thing because yeah, hell, like week one, I like for me, I, I'm gonna say right now, I, I'm leaning towards he's not playing against the Lions. Like that would that would be my lean. Now to the point you said, BK, maybe because he got in too late or whatever, but I don't. I would lean that he's not playing against the Lions, and that's a big deal because. There is only one bye week that 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 any team can get in each conference, and one of the real hallmarks of this run is Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game that isn't the Super Bowl, not at Arrowhead. So I mean, even like at any point, and this AFC is loaded, so at any point, so that could be an issue. Him just missing a game if it results into a loss. But I think the big thing for me, fellas, is like not only. That I wanted to play against the Lions and play this year, like I I was hoping that Chris Jones would be a part of this for the next at least few years, and I, the, it is hard to see that happening right now. Like it's like I just the way like I'm sure and we've seen many cases where like like negotiations can look nasty and all of a sudden you know they can come to an agreement and have a deal. Like the Lamar situation looked nasty. A long time, but the Ravens came to a deal, and and everybody seems happy. And it the way that he's going about things, 
the way that it seems Andy is acting, like to me, it feels like the, the betting odds would be that this is the last year for Chris Jones. Because if they can't get a deal by the season started, like like the, the, the odds of him signing and staying with the Chiefs long term even drop. And I think that's something that is also in the back of my mind. So I, I do agree with you. I, I think that the long-term outlook for Jones, that's the thing that's changed the most for me. At this point, I wouldn't predict that he's getting a new contract before the start of the season. And if he doesn't get one before the season, I don't think he's getting one after the season. We've kind of seen how this typically goes. The Chiefs take care of their guys that they want to be here long-term before they get to that free agency mark. I mean, just think about what happened with Orlando last year. Like He, he was not apparently receptive to what they wanted to do it led to an awkward offseason last year they didn't want to go through that again and so they said to hell with it we're just going to go ahead and go our separate ways even if it means losing an asset for nothing now I don't think the same would happen with Chris Jones and this is where I think things get really interesting and you guys see the new piece to this with the franchise tag for next year if he were to miss games so if he sat out Ron he lose weeks. money for that. That would drop. That would change his franchise tag. Number. It changes it by seven million dollars. It goes from thirty mil next year to twenty three million dollars for next year. So that's another reason why. Again, I do not believe that he will be sitting out because then, Ron, right now, if I'm his agent, I am. I'm negotiating off of that thirty million dollar cap hold that he has for next year. Because why wouldn't you? It's a guaranteed thirty million dollars. They know the Chiefs will tag him if he ends up not signing a long-term extension so we're starting there he's got 30 mil guaranteed that's banked ready to go well what if you miss the eight games now we're talking about 23 million dollars as the starting point it's also a lot easier for the chiefs to manage on the cap going into the offseason where they can have that as a hold and go do what they need to do and then eventually flip him so for all of those reasons and so many more i don't think he's going to be missing the eight games that he's talking about right now but what does it mean long term Dude, I, I think it means that he's probably not going to be here. Well, and that's and, scary. Uh, yeah, another... yeah, because they built everything around him. Like this is like at least for the future, they've not only they built everything around him, but sort of they don't have anything. Like this is not a situation where they have preparation of people behind him. Like oh. and they're ready to go on with life or life without him. No, it's bad and these interior pass rushers aren't guys that you can just find. Like, no. I, I I don't know what the defensive lineman free agent class looks like next year. Um, you know, but you can't just find guys like Chris Jones, like on the free agent pile generally, because those guys are are like franchise players on your defense. And, you know, talking about the franchise tag and how, how that's going to be impacted by him potentially sitting out games. Like he's also putting the Chiefs in a really poor position right now where, we're going into cut down day next Tuesday where they have to finalize their initial 53 man roster for the regular season. And as of right now, the chiefs don't have enough money to pay the 53 players on their roster as well as sign their practice squad players, which is going to lead to them on cut down day, potentially having to make some decisions that they don't want to make because they haven't been able to work out this deal with Chris Jones. Like it's, it's all connected and I'm understanding the frustration from the front office and like, and I tend to side with the players, not the organization in these situations, because I'm like, yeah, you can figure out a way to pay Chris Jones this money and not actually pay him all the money that you're offering him on paper. But this situation is really putting the Chiefs in a bind for a Super Bowl contending team. They're going to have to make some tough decisions on Tuesday unless this somehow comes to a resolution over the weekend. Yeah, I, this is like I said, man, I am very concerned. I'm very concerned about the short term, and as we talked about, very concerned for the long term. And it just the way what he's doing, the negotiations can't be going well. Like they can't, like this, they 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 can't be in a good place because they were in a good place. We wouldn't hear him doing doing this. Ron, the thing that's weird though about all of this is, I just I don't understand how that's even possible. Like, what is he asking for? That is so outlandish. Like that that's what I'm really having a tough time figuring that out. The Chiefs wouldn't, yeah. Because like we kind of know what the parameters are of a deal for for Chris Jones with the Chiefs. Like it's probably about four years. It's probably between 27 to 29 million dollars on an AAV. Now, 
the devil, as always, is in the details on what that looks like, how much of it is guaranteed. But the signing bonus is probably around $25 million. Like all those contracts for the top defensive tackles are pretty similar other than Aaron Donald. And so you just kind of have to meet somewhere in the middle of those. So that's what I'm trying to figure out is what, what is he asking for that the Chiefs were surprised by? Because something clearly took the Chiefs by surprise here. And I I can't figure out what it was or how like his, it happened. His behavior and, and what he's doing would lead you to believe it to, to the point you're making that they're not close. Right? Like like if, if we were close, like you would just kind of chill. Like cause because right, like if you all of a sudden heard, oh, the Niners and Nick Bosa came to a deal. Wouldn't catch you off guard. There's been no, there's been, we haven't heard from Nick, anything like that. Wouldn't catch you off guard. Here, when you, like, when you start pushing the envelope like he has been, it's either, oh, I've got to do something to push, to add some sort of leverage or something or, or, or whatever. But whatever it is, you're not getting what you want and you're not even close. Like if this were, if this were something that is close, that we're just breaking some, uh, you would strongly advise your co- client not to be doing things like this. But this is doing. This is happening so much. I would have. I would. I would believe that his attorneys and his representation are just fine with it, and that would lead you to believe they're just not even on the anywhere near the same page. It's. I, I'm wondering if it's you know if it's the number of years or if it's the guaranteed money or, or whatever where you know, Chris Jones is saying I've got multiple Super Bowls like I was a very very important part of those Super Bowl teams like I should be like a Ring of Honor player for the Kansas City Chiefs and I should get that Mahomes and Chelsea and Kelsey treatment but. The problem is that those guys have taken discounts to try to make these things more manageable and more workable. And so I'm wondering if, if it's just that, like he feels disrespected in the way that they're offering these things up and the way that they're structuring these contracts compared to these guys. But it's also just, it's frustrating. (laughs) Like, like, because it's holding up everything else. And we saw this happen with Tyree kill too. The difference was the Chiefs made a decision and said, "Okay, we got to move on, and we got to we got to recoup draft draft capital for him." And there and was something th- else that, that was never part of the plan with Chris Jones. And there was something else that was different with the the Tyreek thing. That was the Devontae Adams deal threw everything out of whack. Like yeah. it, there was a change in the market with the Tyreek Hill contracts negotiations, and that affected where everything ended up going with the Chiefs and Tyreek. Now, I think Tyreek, I still maintain, I think he just wanted to go somewhere else. I think he wanted to go to Miami. But even even if I set that aside for a second, the the Devontae Adams trade and then contract afterwards, it changed how people viewed the wide receiver market. And so I can understand how like, okay, if that gets thrown in your face and you were previously negotiating off of Cooper Cup's $26 million deal or whatever, and now we're going off of a $28 million AAV, that's a big deal. That's a wide gap that we're talking about there. And Nothing changed. Also, Nothing that, changed with the defensive tackle contracts this offseason. And there, there's also a case to be made that last season was the best season Chris Jones is ever going to have. And that was the peak. And so now, and that's why I think it comes down to years, possibly, in terms of like total money and contract and what they're offering him. Because Chris Jones has said multiple times, I want to retire a chief or whatever. But lots of players say that. And it virtually never happens in the NFL. But like, there, there's a case to be made that last season was the peak of Chris Jones. And, and that he, he might still be an elite player. He might still be a game-changing player. But that might be the ceiling of Chris Jones' NFL career. And I understand where the Chiefs are coming from in that regard, but that there seems to be a ceiling as to what they will pay, and they're not willing to go past that. And Chris Jones clearly wants them to go past that. Ron, the well, thing I mean, that I that, that that I'm just take I'm still like I don't get it is the Chiefs wanted to pay him. And why we know that is because they didn't trade him. If they had reservations about whether or not they were comfortable with the player, they would have traded him prior to the NFL draft because that's when you do it because then you get something tangible for your asset prior to this upcoming season. This is not a rebuilding team. This is a team that we know is trying to win the Super Bowl. So they wanted at that point in time, their goal, their expectation was we're going to get a deal done with Chris. It might take some time. 
maybe he misses a little bit of camp, but we're going to get a deal done here, even if it's going to be a tough negotiation. Something happened between then and now that has led us to a place where the negotiations are not only not progressing forward, they look, there appears to be some animosity between the yeah. two sides. And I, for the life of me, I can't figure out why that would be taking place. So, because so all I mean, of the contracts that were signed this offseason, Ron, changed nothing for Chris Jones. Nothing. Well, then, based off everything that we just talked about, what you're saying, I think mean, the question is, is we are well, a little over two weeks at this point of, of when the season starts. Like, is he? does he have a deal? Does he get a deal? Do they work this out? Do they work this out by the time the season starts? And – with how this is going, I just don't know how anybody could be like, yeah, this is going to work out. I just, like, from either side, there seems to be a a line in the sand at either side, and, and they, they are serious about where they want to go. And to the point you just made, now it's not just about disagreement, and we're not on the same page. Now it's Now it's about just disrespect. Now I'm having to talk about this all the time. You know, and not just talk about it, but talk about things you've said. And now you're leading first take and stuff like that because you're making comments on a daily basis. So, I, like, for me, I, I don't see how we see them get a deal. I, I think he's going to play for the Chiefs at some point this season. But, I I mean, at this point, I would think it may be his last with yeah, the my, Chiefs. My, that would be my guess right now. Like, if I had to project forward, I've always wondered if this deal would, like, definitely get done. But I – in my heart of hearts, believed that it would. At this point, I no longer feel that way. I don't think he's going to have a new contract before week one, just reading between the tea leaves. And I don't think he's going to play week one either. I think he'll be with the team, but I think they will say, hey, you didn't report until late August. We're not playing you on September 7th against Detroit. It's not worth it for us to risk potential injury there. We don't think you're in football shape. Andy Reid runs the camp that it, the way that he does for a reason, man. It's because he thinks it gets them prepared for the season. Chris Jones isn't, didn't have any of that. He's not going to be prepared for the season. So I think it's going to be a hot minute before we see him taking his full allotment of snaps. He was number one in the NFL among defensive tackles last year in snap count. I don't think we're going to see that for a, hot, for a while, like a month. But I do think that he will be with the team by week one. I don't think he's going to have a contract when he gets there, though. Yeah, I'm... Pretty much. And it's crazy to think this is where we are when a few months ago, it seemed like it was such a sure thing. Like this is the off season of extending Chris Jones and, and, you know, getting younger with the, with the draft picks and, and and filling out those roster holes and figuring everything out and trying to do it again. And now I I don't see how anybody could be confident that he's going to be here past next season, because I think, I think this training camp holdout and, and the way and how seriously they take all of this stuff and how seriously they take their preparation for the regular season. It's like got sour. I think, I think they understand like, you know, a week of training camp. Okay. Like two weeks, we don't like it, but we'll get over it. Now we're approaching regular season week one and we haven't even seen you and we, and we are in communications have totally fallen apart. We're not even like talking anymore. Like, and you're, we're, we're, you're we're talking about yeah, like we're talking about relationships like being ruined here, and I I, I don't think he's going to be a chief after the upcoming season when he eventually shows up to the team facility. I hope we're all dead wrong. Me personally, I hope we're wrong, but I don't. Me too. I, I and I hope at some point the next time we're talking, like something has happened and he has signed a new deal. <laughs> 